from 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Max. And I'm Adam. Adam, I'm excited. It's round three of our recurring segment. This is our first ever recurring segment. Our, our first ever recurring segment. Well, we don't have that many recurring segments. Our only segments. recurring segment. Our only recurring segment, but our best recurring segment also. Other than Dump on de Blasio, that's, that's kind of a, a recurring segment. Uh, yeah, that is, it's, I would call that more a theme though. I would call that more a theme. Yeah, so let's. Uh, All right, let's, let's temp check. Let's temp check. All right. Oh, and we need our, our temp checks on, of course. yet, but it, it hasn't changed in a while. 96.7. I think that's kind of low. I'm 97.1. Alright, that, that sounds healthy. 96.7 seems kind of it's okay. a little you're, low. I don't know. Your shorts and a t-shirt, I think it's alright. I wouldn't panic. Alright, I'm not pan- well. Temp too low? Temp too low is definitely not the not a big concern these days. Actually, no, I think no. I think we're in good position. We're in, I we're think in a lot of position. people would would trade for that. That is true. Like you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So I think let's. Um, I thought we would uh, throw things on, uh, change things up today. Mm-hmm. We we don't have a guest. Disclosure: tonight. no guest. No guest. And I think we can talk about why we don't have a guest. The answer is Netflix's Tiger King. Unbelievable um, <laughs> show. Oh, my if, God. If, there's, if there are two things you should be doing during this uh, lockdown, one should be listening to Coronapod, which you obviously already are. Two is binge Tiger King. Honestly, I would recommend if you are listening to Coronapod right now that you actually stop listening to Coronapod. Don't stop. I think put us at two times speed, get through this quickly, and then go to Tiger King. You promise we'll make it short. But that's that's only partially true. The real thing is podcasts started very much coming out of media, right? Podcasts originally came, the, the famous ones that started early on came from the same people who brought you NPR, right? They were Mm -hmm. radio shows repackaged. Since then, they've changed into something else, right? Their own format. But early on, it was just traditional media. Mm -hmm. And you have actually a lot of experience in traditional media, Matt. You obviously work for a media company now, but more importantly, you were very involved with the Yale Daily News. And I think the two things I want to talk about are, uh, one... How does that inform anything you do on this podcast and how you think about this podcast, if at all? And then second, what what can you share about what's going on with people who are covering coronavirus right now? Both in terms of like, what do you think people are thinking about? How they're balancing the different stories, right? You are an editor making sure that the entire newspaper isn't just coronavirus. But then also, 
What do you think it's like for college newspapers right now? Kind of a different thing, but that's an area where I think people really haven't talked about what's happening. So three huge things for you to talk about. Feel free to pick wherever you want to start, but I'm really curious to get your perspective on this. All right, I'm, I'm going to try to tackle a few of these uh, one by one, and I don't have fantastic perspectives on all of them. But to your first question, how does my experience as a college newspaper editor <laughs> affect how I think about this podcast? The short answer is not at all. Uh, we're just having fun here, and... Uh, I can say that uh, editing a college newspaper is a decidedly different experience from uh, lo-fi podcasting. Um, but, you know, we we do hold ourselves to the highest journalistic standards here. Uh, and so I guess that that comes out of out of my training at the the Yale Daily News. Um, I'll talk for a moment about what what's happening in media right now. Um, you know, there's a big change that's been happening in media for many years, but that is being accelerated by not coronavirus specifically, but by the larger economic collapse that's occurring. And that's the decline of the print advertising market. This obviously has been going on for well over a decade. It was first accelerated by the 2008 financial crisis. It's continued since then as advertising dollars have A, moved from print to online, and then online really flowed almost entirely to Google and to Facebook. And what we saw in 2008 and what we're seeing now is that once those advertising dollars go away from, in particular, local newspapers, they they really don't come back. and that's really, really challenging. And so I think this is going to be a really hard time for, in particular, smaller journalistic outfits that uh, get most of their revenue not from subscriptions but from advertising, be it print or digital. Um, and so I, I think there's going to be a hard road ahead for for those smaller publications. And I think there are a lot of there are a lot of smart people who are trying to figure out what a better economic model for local journalism looks like, but we haven't found it yet. So so make that real for me for a second. Essentially what you're saying is that today, a lot of the money that comes into newspapers is still from people taking print ads and that those print ads due to this economic downturn Right. No one is advertising events because no events are happening. No one is advertising sales because no stores are open. Exactly. If I'm selling ads in the New Haven Register, a lot of the ads that I would sell are for local restaurants, all of which are now closed. If maybe they're for concerts that are going to happen in New Haven, those are all now canceled. And so... A lot of the things that people traditionally take out advertising for, especially in the local context, are are no longer happening. And then even more broadly, brand advertisers, you know, who who may be advertising products or things like that, aren't advertising because marketing may be one of the first things that they cut. And so I think you're likely to see it. And and if you read Neiman Lab, if if you sort of follow the, the... 
trade rags and all these things, um, people are already saying that newspapers in particular that really rely on advertising um, are already really feeling the pain of this. And, and what's unfortunate is that this is coming on the heels of a decade-long period of pain for the industry. And is this something that's temporary? I think what a lot of people have been saying is the key to making it out of this situation is to make people understand that this is temporary, right? Businesses are going to reopen. People are going to get their jobs back. Everything will go back to the way it is. Is, is that a expectation that newspapers can operate under, that when everything reopens, that print advertising will come back? Or has kind of history shown that once it's gone, it truly never comes back because either people move to different forms of advertising or people find they don't need the advertising? Yeah, so here's an example of this, and, and this is a good segue to talk about actually what's happening with college papers right now. And so I can speak a little bit about this from my experience at the Yale Daily News. Um, if you look back to pre-2008, a lot of advertising in that newspaper was actually from national advertisers. And so it was from recruiters coming to campus and, and taking out ads. It was from Best Buy buying ads and trying to get students to buy their products, stuff like that. After the recession or in the, in the midst of the recession, those companies really slashed their advertising budgets, in particular print advertising. It's, it can be hard to justify print advertising because it, it can be hard to really identify what the return on that is. It's not like online advertising where you can track click-through rates and things like that. And that advertising, once it went away, it, it never came back. And so it's pretty clearly understood at this point that in particular in that, in that area, once advertising goes away, it, does, it doesn't really come back. Um, and, and that's why you've seen already in the past 10 years a lot of newspapers that have had to really meaningfully cut their newsrooms. Got it. You asked, you asked about college newspapers, and so maybe this is a good place to talk a little bit about that, because I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about what it must be like for seniors who are on campus or no longer on campus, actually, and, and now have been forced to leave. And I, I'm thinking about what it must be like for the reporters and the editors who are trying to cover their schools. And I think, so there, there are a few things to note. First of all, college newspapers, the Yale Daily News is one of them, have stopped printing because there, there are no students left on campus. And I think that actually has a lot of implications for the staffs of these newspapers. People don't realize this, but a huge number of the people who work on college newspapers don't write, they don't edit text, but they actually play a really important role in making the physical paper. They design the layout, they take photos, stuff like that. If there's no print paper, there's way less of a job for these people to do. And it's, of course, it's an extracurricular activity, but just like being, just like editing the words was a really important thing for me, Editing the layout is a really important people for a lot of folks is a really important thing for a lot of folks, and so uh, I imagine it must be hard for folks who've who've had that t 
taken away from them. Do you have any perspective on something I've been hearing a lot, which is I can't find any news that isn't about COVID-19? And how, how do editors think about making sure that people get this news, but also that it, it's not everything that's happening, right? We talked a couple days ago about all the things that seemed like huge deals before this crisis that don't seem so relevant anymore, right? There's still a presidential primary going on. How do people think about balancing that? Or when you were at the Yale Daily News and some big event happened, how did you think about, you know, allocating coverage across different things? Or do you think in a situation like this, like stuff is just coming in so quickly that you just throw whoever you have against it? Yeah. And again, I'll say I'm, I'm no professional newspaper editor by any means. And I was a editor of one college newspaper a long time ago. I do think that editors must be struggling to find balance, as you say. And I think there are really three types of stories right now. There are coronavirus stories. There are stories that are intended to provide relief and distraction from everything that's happening in the news. But then there are also the very legitimate and very important stories about all the news that's happening that's not coronavirus. And I think that third category is the hardest to get people to pay attention to, actually, because right now, if you go on any big publication, you'll see that they're writing stories that are clearly meant to provide distraction and relief, uh, a respite from this sort of deluge and constant bombardment of really catastrophic news that, that we're all reading. But what's and, and people are turning to these stories as a source of relief. But I think what's much harder is if you're someone right now who covers climate, for instance, that, that issue is as important as it's ever been. But getting people to pay attention to that is, is really, really challenging. Or putting this back in the context of college newspapers, if you're someone who covers diversity for your college newspaper and you're, you're trying to understand how financial aid policies are, are changing the way student life works, that's definitely impacted by coronavirus, but you'd also have to kind of make sure that not every single story you write is just your beat through the lens of coronavirus. But that's a really, really hard thing to do when it kind of feels like the world is ending and the world is entirely focused on this one thing, and rightly so. I guess the, the final question I'll end with is, there has been a lot of news that has come initially from smaller sources. A paper in Niagara Falls was the first paper to report that a prisoner in the New York State uh, penitentiary system had coronavirus. School newspapers have been very quick to report on school closings, on administrators becoming diagnosed, the visa issues that students are dealing with. What can people do to support local papers in a challenging time like this? I think now is a great time to keep or to renew or to sign up for a subscription to your local paper. That's I think the best thing people can do is to keep reading the news and to keep paying for it. 
Absolutely. So I want to ask you, now that you've interviewed me a little bit, I want to ask you a couple of questions about Absolutely. your extracurricular. So you are a very senior member of the New York kayak polo community, a leader in the community. Obviously, there's no kayak polo being played right now. Tell me a little bit about how that community is dealing with this crisis. So I think there are kind of two things. On the simplest level, we are all people who enjoy playing kayak polo, and we play two to three times a week, and that's our primary form of exercise, right? This is a ridiculous sport, but it is a sport where you get sweaty and tired and have fun and... Most importantly, it's a team-based sport, and what I really recognize now is that people are athletic in New York City often, but rarely in a team form. Mm. So that team, that community is really important to me, right? That you can communicate as a team. Those bonds are important. They, They keep me feeling good. So obviously, we're dealing with the fact that no one's getting that. No one's getting the exercise they normally get. Right now, there has been talk about, can you go kayaking? If you're six feet away from each other, is that okay? And the answer is largely, yes, it's okay once you're kayaking, but it's hard to get to where you need to go kayaking without being within six feet of someone else. And it's really bad if something goes wrong. You've seen this a lot on the West Coast. They've had some of the best snow they've had in years, and lots of people have been going skiing people are getting injured, and when someone needs to get rescued, it's not like one person goes and gets the person. 50 people went to a rescue uh, a week ago. There was a helicopter involved. You are taking away people and resources from the medical system. So in answer to the question of like, what are we doing to like get this exercise you'd normally get? Nothing. We're dealing with that reality, and I think people are okay with that. Something that is only becoming apparent now is kind of what this is doing to our budget and our recruitment. On the budget side, we actually make money from having tournaments where we host a tournament with teams from Boston, Montreal, Toronto, New York, Brooklyn, and that is like a primary fundraising mechanism for us. So that, that's all been canceled. But the thing that's more concerning to me is recruitment. Um, We have kind of two seasons. We have a season in a pool, and we have a season when we play in the Hudson. And a big part of kayak polo is you get flipped over. And it's it's really only in the pool that you can teach someone how to deal with what happens when you get flipped over. It's a safe, enclosed space. The water is relatively warm. I I will say as someone who you have taught actually to flip over, I would not have wanted to learn that in the Hudson. It's a little bit terrifying, but once you figure it out, it's all right. Yeah, so... You can't really do that in the Hudson. And we spend every winter trying to recruit new players and get them ready such that when summer comes, they're ready for the Hudson. And that, that just can't happen that this year because, because we don't have a winter season, really. So we're trying to figure that out. We're going to work with the Brooklyn Club, I think, a little closer to try to figure out how do we roll into the summer with momentum. But it's hard. And this is obviously not a top-of-mind priority right now, right? Like there are not-for-profits that do truly, truly important good things and feed people. Ours is low on the totem pole, but we're trying to figure out, we want it to work for everyone. Um, but yeah, it's it's really impacting every part of everyone's lives in a really different and tangible way. 
And what are you doing to stay connected to that community? Because I know one of the things that you love so much about kayak polo is not the exercise that you get from it, which I will say is a fantastic workout and very challenging, but this kind of wacky community that you're a part of where you all put on helmets and life jackets and you actually play polo while also being in kayaks. So we haven't done a ton yet. Um, we have a big Slack group and there's some comments that have been passed back and forth, some memes and the like. Uh, but this is something that I think it just be, we just canceled the rest of our sessions in the pool. So we're definitely a little farther behind, I think, because this is the last thing where I'm, I was optimistic, right? Like everything else I was a, a realist about, but here I was like, maybe there's a chance. So I think now that we've canceled all the sessions and we know that they're not going to happen, I think now's the time where we start saying, all right, let's do a Zoom happy hour. I've done a bunch now and, and they're getting to be more and more fun. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited. I've got a Zoom Seder coming up in, uh, in a week or so, which I, I think is going to be pretty good. TBD, though, how cooking uh, all the Seder food for, like, three people is going to go instead of cooking it for, you know, 15 people as I normally would. Anything with four glasses of wine will be a good time. <laughs> all right, I think this was a good podcast, Adam, but I think, honestly, i got to get back to this uh, Tiger King show. And it's we, just too good. And we got to get back to having guests. We'll be back tomorrow with guests. This has been Corona Pod. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay healthy. Pod is sponsored by Our Little Tiger. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat.